0: What is thankfulness? You think, you talk about thanksgiving, you think about being thankful. Really, giving of thanks is an expression of gratitude and appreciation. You know, that's children are taught early on as they learn manners from their parents, at least in good homes they're taught to say thank you they're taught to say please but to express gratitude and just you know as as we grow and as we watch people the way they live it's always refreshing to see someone say thank you there's something about those words you know, even you don't even have to be the one saying it. But when you see someone else in exchange of a gift or something like that, and someone just says a heartfelt thank you, it just—it's it, a heartwarming sound. It's those words mean something; they're meaningful. And of course, we use them so often. But thankfulness, giving of thanks, and true thankfulness really reflects something. And I want you to be thinking about this today because we're, we're talking about thanksgiving. We're giving thanks to the Lord. We read that Psalm, Psalm 100, give thanks unto the Lord. And really, true thankfulness reflects humility. It reflects humility. And when you pause to think about what the words mean, indeed, humility, humility. Humility is what comes to mind. A person who is proud is not a thankful person. Have you ever seen an exchange between two people where one person was given something or something happened that was beneficial to that person and they just walked away without even mentioning a word of thanks and you think, wow, how arrogant or how, how rude. But thankfulness really reflects humility. You know, when, when we're given things, When someone gives you a gift, or someone even gives you a compliment, maybe a verbal affirmation or something. But when someone gives you something and you say thank you, you are acknowledging the grace of the giver. The grace of the giver. You know, God is so gracious to us. And when we talk about gifts, we talk about grace. We are talking about those things which we do not deserve. When we receive blessings and we receive good things and we recognize that we are not worthy or we are not deserving really what ought to spring up in our hearts is gratitude and we express that through thanksgiving the giving of a gift or a benefit really renders the recipient A debtor. Think about that. In Psalm 116, David is speaking there, and he's talking about the blessings of the Lord, the salvation of the Lord. In Psalm 116, verses 12 and 13, David says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits toward me? And here's David, he's asking himself this question. He, he says, look at all that God has done for me. Look at all his benefits, his blessings, his daily provision, everything. All these benefits that are from the Lord. What can I do for him? And David here, seeing himself as indebted to the giver of gifts, the giver of good things, indebted to the Lord. You know, when we're given something, we are somewhat a debtor. We are in the graces of, or in the debt of, the giver. And David recognizes this in this song, and he says, What shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits toward me? And truly, what can we possibly give the Lord that He needs? Well, He doesn't need anything. Of course the very next verse David answers in these words he answers his own question he says I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord I will give him what I will put my trust in him God is the giver of good gifts. What shall I render to the Lord? What can I possibly give to the Lord for all that He's given me? I have nothing He needs. What will I give Him? I will give Him my trust. I will put my trust in Him and I'll ask for more. David says, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. And you know what? That is what the Lord delights in to have from us what does he want from us he wants us to believe him he wants us to trust him and he wants us to communicate with him he wants us to call upon him and in doing so what did david what did david demonstrate he demonstrated humility he demonstrated dependence dependence upon the lord so here <clears throat> When we talk about thanksgiving, true thankfulness reflects humility because there's an acknowledgement of the grace of the giver. Now, when we talk about somebody being indebted, that doesn't mean that a gift or a benefit should be paid back or ne- necessarily recompensed in kind. Uh, we don't give, I don't, you know, we, we don't give our children gifts to, uh, keep a record and say, well, you know, last year I gave you this. What did you give me? And make sure these things balance out. Now, if that's the way you're giving, that's not giving. Uh, that's using. But, <clears throat> you know, the, the simplest response, the meanest response, the lowest response is, is just a simple acknowledgement of gratitude and appreciation. But as I said, true thankfulness reflects humility There's acknowledgment of the grace of the giver, but there's also an acknowledgment or a recognition of the unworthiness or the lack of deserving on the part of the recipient. If the benefit was earned or merited, it would no longer be a gift. It would no longer be a gift. It would be that which was deserved, that which was only warranted. Um, Grace would not be involved. In Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, Jesus was speaking and He makes this comment and it's it's kind of... It, it, it's in verses 32 through 34. And He says here in this... Um, Luke six thirty two 32-34, he says, For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. Here, again, he is speaking of doing something for something else. He's not talking about grace. If your motive is to get something, that's not giving. But the benefits that God gives us are not merited. In Luke chapter 17, a few pages over, Luke chapter 17 and verses 7 through 10. Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and He says this, "...which of you," in verse 7, "...which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, Go and sit down to eat or to meet. And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink." Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Now that is a very interesting passage. Because where benefits... Are earned or deserved, there's no place for thanks because the benefit is due. This is why we never read of God thanking man for anything. You ever thought about that? Why does God thank, God would not thank man for, he doesn't. Why, thank you for believing in me or thank you for doing what I told you to do. No, God does not thank man because at the end of the day if we have done everything in our power to serve him we are just simply unprofitable servants we've only done that which we were told to do you know you can't go overtime with God okay <laughs> we owe him everything and it, it we are the ones giving Him thanksgiving. He does not thank us. You know, if, if you go into work and you put in your 40 hours, and let's just say you're just one of those overachieving, absolutely energetic employees, and you just come in extra just because you love the job and you want to really see that, you know, company thrive, and you go spend an extra 10 to 20 hours in a week, your boss is going to come to you and say, wow, thank you so much. I mean, really, you're a you're a great employee and appreciate that. Not so with God. At the end of the day, if we've even put in the 10 extra hours, so to speak, we've only done that which was our duty. We belong to Him. All of our energy is from Him. Everything that we have that we can do is from Him. So everything that we do for Him is simply. He deserves it. We owe it to Him. And I always, I found that interesting. I remember years ago thinking, hey, you know, I never really have God thanking man for anything. Well, Jesus explains that in that passage. Master does not thank the servant for fulfilling his duties. Now, true thankfulness reflects humility. Again, there's the grace of the giver, There's also the unworthiness of the recipient. We don't deserve gifts. Grace is not deserved, or it is not grace. But ingratitude, on the other hand, if thankfulness reflects humility, ingratitude reflects pride. Ingratitude, or a lack of thankfulness, reflects pride. It's the attitude that says, well... I deserve that. Or, well, I was worthy. So therefore, why should I thank you? In fact, you probably should have added a little ice cream on top of that. Or you probably should have given me a little extra. Because I'm just so worthy. Now, look at, if you're in Luke 17, Luke chapter 17, I want you to note a passage here. Because right after... Jesus made those comments that if we do everything that we're supposed to do, we're still unprofitable servants. In the very next verse, in verse 11, there's the story of ten lepers. And it goes through verse 19. Beginning of verse 11, it says, "...and it came to pass as He, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee." And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now, of course, leprosy was, you know, that was kind of like the the cancer of the day. It was this disease that really was incurable. It was a disease that was highly communicable. It was a disease that left a person ostracized from society. They had to go live by themselves. They couldn't be around anyone because of the contagious nature of the disease, and it was a disease that slowly ate away at the body till they were consumed or and died of infection, or of other, you know, compounding problems. So here were these people who really had a death sentence on them. There were ten men. They were lepers could hang out together because they all had the same thing. They couldn't catch it again, but they were doomed. And they stood afar off. If they were, they would get close to people, people just start throwing rocks at them to get them away. But it says in verse 13, it says, They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I'm sure they cried out over and over, Jesus, have mercy on us. Why did they do that? Well, they knew that He had the power to heal, to cleanse, to raise the dead. And if He would just have mercy on them, He could heal them. And they knew this. And they wanted His attention. And they cried out. And... This isn't in the passage, but as you read through the New Testament, there is never a person who ever came to Jesus who He did not heal, to whom He did not minister. The only ones who were not healed were the ones who did not come. And so these men, maybe they knew that, but they saw Jesus and they cried out to Him and He stopped. And He looked at them. And it says, and when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And I want you to think about that statement. Go show yourselves to the priests. Very interesting. Did Jesus heal them right there? No. He told them to do something. Go show yourselves to the priests. That meant that they were going to have to enter into public society. They were going to have to get close to well people. There's, this doesn't make any sense. They can't go into town. They're diseased. If they, got clo- they wouldn't even get close to the priest. They're not even going to be able to get you know close to anybody. But what does Jesus tell them to do? Go show yourselves to the priest. And of course, they're, they're still here really in Old Testament times. When a person was healed, if they thought they were healed, they were supposed to go to the priest. He was supposed to examine them to look and see if, if for certain that the um, physical malady or the condition had been cleared up. They were supposed to you know, stay apart from other people for like seven days till they were considered ceremonially clean. And if they were fine after that, then they could reenter society. And here's Jesus telling these sick men who have this dread disease Go show yourselves to the priest, as if they had already been healed, and they had not been healed. So these men immediately had a choice. They could look at themselves and say, I can't go to see the priest. I can't go to see anybody. I have leprosy. Or they could just do what Jesus said. And they did. Which demonstrated faith. It demonstrated faith. They believed what Jesus said and they acted on it. It says that it came to pass that as they went, not before, but on the way to the priests, they were healed. Now, that is not by accident, and the order there is by no means an accident. It was very deliberate. Jesus said, you obey what I have to say, and the blessing followed. And by faith, I mean, they demonstrated faith in going, even in their unclean state. And as they went, after they had obeyed, they each received this blessing. It says there, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Picture that. Ten men. They all turn around. They start walking away from Jesus, they start heading to wherever the priests were. And as they're walking, "Look, I've been healed." "Hey, me too." "You! Hey, all of us have been healed." I mean, you talk about excitement. They've just been given their life back. And one turned around. And ran back to Jesus and fell at his feet, giving him thanks. Just one. Not only that, it says, and he was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. Jesus was a Jew. Samaritans didn't have anything to do with the Jews. Neither did the Jews have anything to do with the Samaritans. Except for Jesus. He didn't act that way. They were bigoted toward each other. They were ethnically, um, you know, exclusive. They were rude to one another. But here this Samaritan, he realized what he had been given. And he says, I don't care who he is, Jew or what. He just healed me. And he ran back, fell at his feet in utter thanksgiving. What had he asked for? He'd asked for mercy. What had he been given? He'd been given grace. He asked for mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And he got so much more. And he was healed and he came back. But then in verse 17, Jesus looked at this man and said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. What did Jesus point out there? Hey, nine out of ten were not grateful. They didn't have the decency to return and to give thanks. And Jesus comments on that. Now, I think it's a big deal. If Jesus makes this comment, where are the other nine? Why did they not come back? Were they not all cleansed? Oh, yes, they all had been cleansed. They had all received the grace of God, and yet only one came back to express thanksgiving. They all had realized they were helpless, they all realized they were in need, but only one returned. Listen, thankful people recognize their need. Thankful people recognize their needs. They recognize their shortcomings. They admit their needs. Remember the publican, Luke chapter 18, verse 13. There's the publican there and the the Pharisee, both in the temple at the same time praying. And what did the publican do? He says he 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 was would not even lift so much of his eyes his eyes to heaven, but beat upon his smote upon his breast. It says there he said, "Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm undeserving." course, there was the Pharisee. He was over on the other side, and what did he say? He stood, <clears throat> struck a pose, and then prayed with himself, saying, Lord, I thank Thee. And he's offering thanksgiving, right? <laughs> I thank Thee that I am not like other men, especially like that thing over there on the ground, that publican. Oh, yeah, you just see it. You know, the false The falseness and the pride and the arrogance. Unthankful people don't have needs. They don't think they have needs. No, unthankful people have rights, they have demands. Look at our society today filled with people. Give me this, give me that, give me more. Why haven't you given me more? I deserve. Unthankful people have rights, they have demands, and they become angry when they don't get what they think they deserve. What would happen if we had a president or a candidate for president run on this platform? I am going to eliminate welfare and every able-bodied person is required to work. How do you think that would fly? Okay. Well, that leper recognized that he was helpless in need. He requested mercy. Thankful people don't expect mercy. They ask for it. Can you demand mercy? You give me mercy and you give it to me now. Is that the way? Is that the way mercy is achieved? No. Mercy is something that is undeserved, and so therefore it is something that is requested, humbly requested. It is something that is begged for. Whenever you read these people, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus, the blind man, you think of all these people that would come to Jesus for healing and what they do, they're pleading with him, please have mercy on me. And of course, the scripture tells us that the Lord delights in mercy. He delights to show mercy Un- Thankful people don't expect mercy, they humbly ask for it, but unthankful people expect it. Unthankful people expect it. I deserve this, do it. This leper received grace and acknowledged it. Thankful people receive grace and acknowledge it. They acknowledge the giver, they show gratitude. Unthankful people see benefits as good fortune or somehow deserved or merited. But here this man, who even was a Samaritan, he returned to give thanks. Thankful people take the time to express gratitude and appreciation for benefits. And you know what? This is something we have to actually train we have to train our children to do this. You know, I mentioned that I've mentioned this before, but you know, children they'll get gifts from grandma. Or, you know, grandma will send them a gift or a birthday present or something like that. And what does the kid want to do? They rip open the present, ah, a present, yay, yeah, a toy, and they're out to play with it. Hey, did you uh, tell grandma thanks? Huh? <laughs> thanks to looky it, or you know remember telling our kids and they get Christmas presents from Grandma, I said, you make sure you write Grandma a thank you note. You know, a week goes by, it's New Year's. Hey, did you write Grandma a thank you note? Oh, I forgot. Well, I want you to bring me that toy, and I want you to give it to me. And you can't play with it again until you write Grandma a thank you note. And then it generally gets written, right? But it's something that we have to teach, to train. Because you know what? Children are naturally self-centered. Humans are naturally self-centered. It's very natural for us to just take the gift and run off and forget the giver. But here, being thankful. Unthankful people consume the benefits and ignore the benefactor. How often do we consume the daily benefits that God heaps upon us? Without a thought of gratitude. Psalm 68. Psalm 68 in verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. He daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Think about that. How often do we receive blessings from the Lord? (laughs) <laughs> every breath is undeserved the Lord daily loadeth us with benefits you know the, the welfare attitude is the attitude of what have you done for me lately you know it's, um, it's my wife used to say she still says it occasionally it's hi my name is Jimmy gimme 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 Just because it rhymes, there's nothing wrong with the name of Jim, but uh, (laughs) gimme, gimme, gimme. Um, But as believers, listen, we are continually instructed by the word of the Lord to give thanks. We we quoted Psalm 100, the Bible study hour. It's throughout the Psalms. Psalm 95 and verse 2, and we're commanded to come into his presence. It says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Over and over, God desires to be approached with our thanksgiving. And should He not be? Why, certainly. Because as James says, every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, comes from above, with with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. All good things are from the Lord. And we're to be thankful, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything, do what? Give thanks. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. You know, we've been talking about, in in Hebrews chapter 12, we've been going over and talking about the, the chastening or the discipline of the Lord. And how that God brings things into our lives for the divine purpose of doing what? Bringing about His character in our lives that we might be partakers of His nature, of His holiness. He is building endurance. What, how did Paul respond to his thorn in the flesh? When he'd asked the Lord to take it away from him and when God says, no, I've got something better in mind you're going to have that thorn in the flesh and it's there to keep you humble and it's there to help you realize that it is my strength that is made perfect in your weakness. And when Paul came to this realization, he said, most gladly, therefore, will I joy in my infirmities that the power of God might rest upon me. He became thankful for the trial. It's easy to thank God for the the bonus, the extra blessing. <clears throat> but we're to be thankful even for the trials because He's already told us what He's doing through them. <coughs> and we can trust Him in that. Thankfulness. Now, <coughs> excuse me, our prayers, our prayers are to be accompanied with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, verse 6, and everything with Prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God. And do that rather than what? Rather than being careful, being worried for things. Be careful for nothing. Colossians 4 and verse 2 also tells us the same thing that our prayers are to be accompanied with thanksgiving. Our sanctification, our growth, is to be accompanied by abounding in thanksgiving. In Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 and 7. It says there, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted, and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. You know, I was very thankful just this last week for. For Alan and his uh, expertise in being able to put a needle in my arm, I was a little bit sick in the middle of the week and ended up dehydrated, lost about 10 to 12 pounds in 24 hours and was in bad shape. And with my condition, when I get dehydrated, I can't catch up. I can just drink and it goes straight through me. It will not help. And so there I was about 2.30 in the morning and I thought to myself, I wonder if Alan's working because he works in, in our district on our side of the time. So, so I text him. I thought, well, if he's asleep, he won't get my text if he's at home, but if he's working, maybe he'll answer. So I text him at 2.30 in the morning and man, immediately I get this, oh yeah, I'm, I'm out here working. I'm like, man, thank you, Lord. And <laughs> <So, laughs> I said, hey, I need some fluids. <laughs> so he and his partner came over in their ambulance and 2.30 in the morning juiced me up with some, some fluids and uh, that was a great blessing. I was so thankful, because I, you know, the alternative was was somehow sick as I was to get in a car, go to the emergency room, wait four hours while everybody else and their brother came in with gunshot wounds, and I sat on the bench, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then finally, anyway, and then and then on and that was that was Thursday morning, and then Friday I wasn't doing so good, and so I called him up, and he says he was, well, I'm just getting home. I said, "I'll come to you." So I went over here, and I got two more liters of fluids. By Saturday, man, I felt a lot better. But you know what? What a blessing! Boy, I was thankful. I needed help. I was, I was, I was in some pretty dire straits there. I need help. And, um, and I was. I'm always reminded of that verse. And it has nothing to do with this, but where Jesus, said, you know, better is a friend that is near than a brother afar of off. You know, and I thought, you know, yeah, your brother would love to help you, but he's, you know, a thousand miles away, but thank God for the friends that are near. Thank God for that. Humble believers abound in thanksgiving because we recognize that indeed we are truly helpless. We're sheep. The Bible is not complimentary when it says we're (laughs) sheep. (laughs) Okay, I know. I always think of this cute little, you know, cuddly white woolly lamb. But when the Bible talks about us being sheep and going astray, it's not a compliment. But it's designed to help us recognize that we truly are helpless. We're like sheep in the midst of wolves. Uh, We're like sheep going astray. You know, sheep just, you know, (laughs) they 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 wander off. They're they're not. If you put a sheep and a mouse in a maze the mouse will find its way through the maze the sheep will die <laughs> okay <laughs> just sheep aren't real smart but you know we are helpless we're in need jesus said in john 15:5 without me you can do what nothing nothing without me you can do nothing because we have nothing that we have not been given then what does a man have that he's not received? Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, Who makes you to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? So is there any room for pride in the Christian life? Absolutely not. There is nothing that you have. There is nothing that I have that we were not given. And let me tell you something. The older I get the more I realize that. The older I get, the more that I realize that. You know, I walk into my house. I was given that. I look at the things I have. That was given to me. You know what? Everything, every one of us has, has been given to us. You say, oh, no, no, I worked hard. I worked years for that and I saved a lot of money. And I... Who gave you the strength to work? Who gave you the intellect to know what to do when you went to work? Listen, folks, it all comes down to everything that we have and everything that we are is because of God. Without me, he says, you can do nothing. And if I might extrapolate or take that to its ultimate end, without me, you don't exist. Eh? Without Him, we are nothing. Because we have nothing, that which has been given to us, everything that we have has been given to us. What does a man have that he has not received? So therefore, don't boast. Don't boast in what you've been given because you didn't deserve it. It's easy to to give thanks when things go well, but the believer is to give thanks in all things. And I trust that as you go through this week, just take the time to even to think about thankfulness. I hope that, you're, that each one of us is thankful every day. But it is good for us to be thankful. It's good for us to consider, to pause, and to thank God for that which He's done for us. You know, we, He's our Father. We get to call Him Father. Think about that. You know, the blessing it is to be able to call God your Father. He's a merciful Father. He's an understanding Father. And all that He does, He has a purpose. And His purpose is always good for us. It's good for us. We don't understand it. Just like we've been talking about in Hebrews chapter 12. Now, no chastening or no discipline. You put that word in there, it's discipline. It's not just talking about the beating, the spanking, you know. He says, no discipline, no chastening for the presence. He to be joyous but grievous. But afterward, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Listen, God's training, God's discipline always is good for us. We've had earthly fathers, the writer of Hebrews says, who chastened us after their own pleasure. But He, for our benefit... He for our profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness. Folks, if we remember and if we bear in mind what God is doing, then we can be thankful in all of it. We understand His purpose, He's revealed it to us. He's working in us to make us like His Son, He's working to present us faultless before Himself. He's working in us to bring glory to Himself. Of course, he uses different methods, he uses instruction, he uses correction, sometimes he uses trials, discipline. But all of these things that God is doing, He is doing for our good. And in all of these things, we are to give thanks. Gratitude. Listen, when we know the character of our Heavenly Father, and we understand that everything He does is to accomplish His divine purpose in our lives. We're going to be thankful, and even thankful for the methods that he chooses to accomplish this purpose. Just like Paul, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. The power of Christ may rest upon me. Let's not only be thankful for bounty, but let's be thankful for God's direction in every aspect of our lives. Be thankful be thankful. Those words, thank you. They're so good to hear, but we need to remember what they represent. Let us be thankful. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, again, Lord, expressing our thanksgiving, Lord, our gratitude. Lord, as we learn about you in Scripture, Lord, as we see the truth about ourselves in Scripture, Lord, our hearts really just cry out in thanksgiving. Indeed, without you, we can do nothing. And Lord, help us to be thankful and to give thanks to you in all things because this is the will of God. Thank you for working your will in our lives. Lord, may we, like Paul, Thank you not only for the good times, but Lord, also for the trials, knowing your purpose is being fulfilled. And Lord, when we understand your purpose, when we know that what you're doing is good and right, Lord, we will truly be thankful. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.